I don't think they are. I think they're just... Yeah, maybe not. They're definitely going to add a tier for that at some point. I These people they are masters of getting money out of Kickstarter people. They are. Wait, they have they up, done other games that were like... They've wait, done why are we talking about other this games, right now? Wait, and they're all super popular. No, no, no. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about this when we get to it. <laughs> let's talk about the games we've been playing lately. Let's talk about <laughs> everything good. before you start the freaking podcast. Uh, let's talk about how I bought this juice at the store. It's supposed to taste like sangria. What are you doing? No. Let's no. not. But, let's not. Hey. I have another like, idea. It's why are we talking alcoholic. about juices? It's not alcoholic, but it tastes yeah. like sangria. Have you seen like a non-alcoholic done. beer? So then I put vodka in it, and it fixed it. What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you know that vodka it? is vegan? This Drug story myself. sucks. Welcome the forecast. Welcome, welcome to the forecast is what Most I meant. Likely. Welcome to the forecast episode eighty-five. The forecast is a bi-weekly podcast produced every other Thursday. We're a group of people who love exploring and discussing all kinds of things, from board games to video games to film to TV to things we just encounter throughout our everyday lives. Uh, if you want to check out some of the stuff we worked on, you can check out our Facebook at facebook.com forward slash We Are the Horizon Community, or you can check out our website at wearethehorizon.com. Additionally, everything we talk about gets pushed out to our cast notes, which gets pushed to whatever podcasting app you're using, so make sure you look into that. I'm also joined by a few additional peeps this week. Alex? Hello, gents and ladies and <laughs> other people oh of different identifications. Wow, Kayla? nailed it. That's I appreciate me. that. Hey. Hi. Hey. And Jake John. Hi. <laughs> Did you know Sour Patch Kids are vegan? Oh God, my freak. Ow. Alex, what have you been playing? <laughs> We're not talking about food and un- alcoholic Wait, drinks. Hang on. Did you watch that critical video? Is that how you know? <laughs> no. Oh, Wait, okay. did I? The one, there was five vegans versus one meat eater or something oh, like that. I, you know, I didn't see the critical <laughs> video, but I uh, saw the original video. Okay. Mm. Is that and that knew? lady's like, that's not vegan. <laughs> yeah. And then I scrolled down in the comments and everybody's like, that lady is a jerk. They are vegan. Also, that lady was a jerk. Yeah, she was a jerk. Is that like the vegans have like special powers, like in Scott Pilgrim? Yes. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim's a special powers of yeah. being annoying. Scott Pilgrim's a documentary. <laughs> but it happened in Canada, which is why we. Yeah, doesn't really yeah, yeah, doesn't, yeah, right. doesn't work it's like that here. Valid point. Valid point. I played uh, this game called Get to the Orange Door. Did you a really good name door? for a video game. Yeah. Did you do it? In the game, you have a starting point, and then you try to get to the orange door. No wow. freaking way. Yeah. It's actually, so it's in early access. It's like very early. There's like not a ton of content whatsoever, but you can replay the same stuff over and over again. And it's a ton of fun because it's a first person shooter and it's got like double jumps and wall running and like all sorts of crazy motion. It feels like Titanfall 2 on crack a little bit. Ooh. And it's kind of got like a roguelike run element to it where you're just like going through the same section, finding different power ups and stuff like that and just murdering everybody. Uh, and then you get to the orange door at the end. And it's very fun. Fast, fluid, cool. Um, hmm. Far Cry New Dawn, me and Aaron finally finished that game. Man. Despite it being pretty short. Can, Took I, us a can, while. I, look, can we just talk about the ending to that game? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, is it bad? Look, no, well, yes and no. All <laughs> right. So the whole premise of where you're at is it's like post apocalyptic Far Cry 5. 
and you're battling these twins and the, who kind of run things. Um, and what you perceive to be the very last mission, you kill the twins. Spoiler. Uh, but then the game's not over because there's another mission afterwards that's just like freaking weird. Where this dude's like the guy from Far Cry 5, the main antagonist from Far Cry 5, his son eats like a fruit and then turns into this weird like smoke monster and you have to kill him. Wait, I thought he killed his child. He killed didn't, a didn't he child. strangle his child? Oh, he killed did a he have child. another one that he didn't kill? Is it clear whether sure. it's his biological son or like a technically oh. spiritual all of son? The other people in Far Cry Five were his children, right? Yeah, I think yes. that's more like what they're going. Oh, with. I gotcha. think that's yeah. But he was like the number one most devout follower, like wanted to become leader himself at some point. Okay, yeah. It just number, number one crazy follower. Yeah. It we got to like the second to last mission and it felt like almost a satisfying end. And then the game just continues. It's like, you know what? We need to wrap up this other storyline that nobody really cares about, but let's just do it anyways. It'll be fun. <laughs> Although I said we got to that mission where you fight the girls and I was like, "Oh. Oh, this this is them. We're fighting them right now." <laughs> like it was unclear like they were, we were about to fight them. Yeah, well, there's I been we so many fighting... times throughout the game where you've met them and then they like leave. And this time they just stayed, and you shot them a lot. Well, and I it's thought we were fighting like yellow enemies, feel. because the yellow enemies are just the strongest, and I was like, oh, these people are strong. And we got launched in the mission without having our good weapons, so we weren't doing, like, any damage at all. I don't... And there's no easy way to quit the mission. What the heck, game? We did find the point where the game breaks co-op, because it had to be terrible in some way. So, like, this halfway through, you go get mystical powers from... The religious people you get a fruit and only the host gets those powers so like i'm running <laughs> around with like a double jump i like uh compress a button to go super powered and run around super fast and punch people really hard uh <laughs> you know i got like all these crazy abilities meanwhile and aaron's like sneaking around knifing people <laughs> in the back <laughs> that's all i can do wow yeah game was weird also the whole point why they want to like eliminate progression for the co-op partner they've said a number of times they're like oh we want to make it an individualized story we want it to be like so you're just taking part in the first player's story so you can't impact their decisions there's a number of times in that game where i'm like you know what i'm not going to kill this person in the cutscene, and then we immediately come out of the cutscene, and aaron shoots them in the head <laughs> and they just die <laughs> so they're lying okay that's pretty good though it's also just a terrible reason to not give them the powers that the main character's getting. Yeah. That's awful. Know. Yeah, it's like, bad. Here's an idea. If you want it to be like a single player story, there's an option for that. <laughs> yeah. Just don't put co-op in your game. That's yeah. right. That's right. It's just weird because Ubisoft has a number of other titles that do it right. Yeah. And the Far Cry team, for whatever reason, just refuses to get on board. No. We're not going to do it. <laughs> um, I've also been playing a lot of Mario Maker still. Um, working away on making a co-op level that hopefully some Cassie will that, play. Huh? Some, yeah, I I stopped working on it for a while because I got upset because I realized I was going to rework a bunch of it because <laughs> I like got to a point where I thought I was finished with it, and then I was like, all right, me and Chad are going to play through it together to make sure it's like all doable, and we could not finish it. I made it way too hard, <laughs> so. <laughs> I have to like figure out how to pick checkpoints. It's just like there's weird stuff in there like to clear check a level, you have to play through it yourself before they let you upload it. 
So I had to put like a secret door in that takes me to the end. So because I can't complete the co-op stuff by myself. I don't know how you're supposed to create co-op levels. It's a little weird. And then if you want to put checkpoints in, you have to clear check from the beginning and then also from each checkpoint. So if I put checkpoints in the middle of the co-op section, I would just be stuck. But I think I'm going to work around that by like adding pipes that take you back to the beginning of the level, maybe. And then clear check it that way to where they can actually have checkpoints, because level is very hard. So your plan you- is to make levels that are impossible to beat. Just what I'm hearing from you. I want it to be challenging, but I want it to be fair. So I, I need to go back in and rework some sections to make them not BS. Yeah. So that's the reason why I've kind of fallen off finishing it, but I'm getting you, back to it. Have you guys played any of the Celeste devs levels? Yeah, he's got a couple really cool ones and a bunch of stupid hard ones that I'm never going to be able to finish. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, you you played C-Sides? Let's try D-Sides. We're just going to put it in Mario Maker. It's fine. Uh, you had me at D-Sides. Hey, when does that DLC come out? I don't know, actually. I don't know. I don't think they have a date, but I think they said this year, right? I think Do you so. really want to play something that's harder than C-Sides? Yeah. Seriously? Did you beat all the C-Sides? Yeah. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I um, like that game. How much time do they do say it's, man? Did they say it's going to be harder than Seasides? I think. I don't yeah, know. they said, do you want a greater challenge? I think is how they prompted I, the. I don't know if it's going to be like Seaside level, though. Like, I feel like it's going to be harder than the main game, but not like insane. They definitely said it's harder than the main game. I'm trying to remember if they said it was harder than. I was C-sides. reading that they have like 100 levels done for it. Yeah, that's what I just saw. That's insane. And it's going to be free, right? Yep. Mm. I'm pumped. Uh, but just playing Mario Maker is also a ton of fun. Like I just play tons of levels all the time and get ideas for what I could do to my game. It's like super cool to find these really unique elements in other people's levels. I don't know. And then I've been playing a bunch of Overwatch. Just a bunch of Overwatch? Are you guys done with all of your placements? Oh, they've been done with placements for a very long time. Yeah, where you oh. been? Just traveling, you know, just not here. <laughs> annoying. Anywhere it's but annoying. home. Any, anywhere but home. Yeah, speaking of which, because I've been traveling, I'll move on to my stuff. Uh, I've been playing, of course, some Hollow Knight because, man, I feel like what better things to play on the Switch while you're traveling on the plane than something that's like fun little platformer or like adventure game. I don't know. That game is so good. Yeah. Music's ridiculous. The story's yeah. just cool. I, I, I think like I struggle with the concept of st- I don't know what the coin is called in that game. What the coinage is called or the money, the mon- the currency Geo, system. I believe. Geo. Thank oh, you. That's right. I struggle with understanding like what I was supposed to spend it on at first. So I was just kind of like saving it up, and I would like die, and I'd go back and I'd kill my or I'd, I'd get my. What are you actually getting back? Is it like your soul? Yeah, it's your okay. ghost boy. <laughs> I got my ghost boy back several times, but then like I died in a spot where there's no way I could get to it, and I didn't realize that that means you lose everything. And I was like, "Oh, oh shoot!" Yeah. So I geo. lost like 2,500 geo because I would just had it. Yikes! Yeah, yeah. That sucks. So I hadn't figured that out, but now I know. Now I know. It's funny. Yeah, you talked but, to Bafanata lady. Yeah, I finally and found also her. other guy in town stored my stored my golds. Um. Anyway, it's that game. It's just a cool game. It's fun and it plays really well on the Switch. Uh, also want to mention we have been playing a little bit of um, Ghost Recon Wildlands in preparation of for Break Breakpoint, I think is what yep. it's called. Which I don't think comes out until like November ish. But that's not that far off. I guess that's true. That's not far off. 
Um, October, right? Is it October? I don't know. Is it October? It's October. Either way, I, I I like that game, but I feel like it. Uh, the the missions are just. You have this idea that you're going to do something stealth, and then somebody screws it up, and you're like, "Oh, let's retry. It. Let's do a stealth." And then somebody screws it up, and then you're like, "Whatever, freaking guns blaze, and let's just blow it up." <laughs> um, and that's just kind of the recurring theme for that game over and over and over. And so we got to the point where, in the game, you can like zoom out and see a map of all of the people that you have to sort of uh, eliminate in order to get to the final boss, El Sueño. And you only have to do half of the map basically to get to El Sueño. And we got to that point. And we're like, oh, should we finish the game? Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's like a whole other half of the map we haven't explored yet. We haven't done any of those missions and stuff. So maybe. So I don't know. It's like we're kind of stuck with the, do we keep going back with like the repetitive nature of this missions over and over or just, you know, wrap it up so we can move on and do some of the DLC missions. That's kind of the main problem is a lot of the missions are just very samey. Yep. There were a couple really cool ones. Um... I think early on we played one that was like following a guy, which sounds stupid, but... <laughs> no, it sounds uh, great, dude. That's why everyone loves Assassin's Creed so much. <laughs> <laughs> Follow missions. Uh, and then there was one where we like infiltrated this like house that was on the side of a cliff, um, and we kind of parachuted yeah. from a mountain. That one was kind of cool. That one was cool. But other than that, I think it's almost more fun to do the side missions where you're like trying to capture a moving vehicle. Yeah. Like, you, you'd think that's what they would have used for their main missions, but... I don't know. Then there's the other part where you're playing like a serious mission. It's cool, like infiltrating a church to get uh, basically like a, a priest and take him good. away. And you know, you get like, you infiltrate like the best infiltration you've ever had. You get the priest, you put him in the helicopter, and you're flying away and you <laughs> land to pick up your party members. And your freaking party member rips him out of the seat, punches him in the face, slams his face in the ground, and you lose the mission. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Alex. Alex just walked up to the helicopter and was like, all right, hostage, get out, and then punches him in the face. I and was then we trying lost the to get into the other seat, <laughs> and that I pressed like it a... too close to his seat, and it pulled him out, and then yeah. I was like, oh, no, I need to put him back in. Him. Yeah. And so, so I tried you... pressing a different button, which was the kill that guy <laughs> button. Yeah, so you freaking punched him in the face and curb stomped him. I mean, it was violent, and then we lost the mission. He did something similar after that, right? Yes. A different mission. Well, he shoots civilians all the time because somehow we're always in the vehicle and he gets on the mounted cannon. Yeah. And we're like, why why do we let him there? And he's just like constantly firing no matter where we're driving. (laughs) Oop, guys. Sorry. It said we killed one more civilian. We lose the mission. (laughs) Alex, do you want to talk about something? (laughs) You okay? I mean... They gave me a gun, man. <laughs> you have a gun all, at all times in that game. It's, you don't yeah, need yeah, but like the mounted big guns. Gun. Fire. Yeah, that's like the a problem. big, big he gun. Gets, he gets behind a mounted turret and he's like, oh. oh <laughs> With <yeah>. infinite <laughs> ammo. Oh, gosh. You're ridiculous. Caleb, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing a lot of stuff. So recently I've been playing a whole lot of Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Game's pretty solid. Castlevania game. And it's got... It's got some uh, really neat additions that are fun. Like, there's a, I'm going to spoil one of them. There's a, you get toy boots at some point, and boots are a weapon. You put on toy boots, you squeak with every step. It's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. That's so good. great. <laughs> You're just sprinting around, like, squeaking, kicking enemies, squeaking. Oh, so good. Uh, but the game's pretty solid. It's got everything you want in a Metroidvania game, Castlevania game, I guess, Igvania, whatever. One of those subcategories of games. <laughs> yeah. I uh, also played some Unheard, 
this past week. I haven't heard of it. Ha. <laughs> 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 oh. oh boy. Uh, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Unheard is a detective game where you have like a map of where a crime scene crime scene happened. Or crime of happened, where I guess. Crime scene happened. Well, yes, shut yes, it. yes. <laughs> you, got a, you got a map of where a crime happened. And all you have are you have the full audio for every person who was near during the crime. And so you like go into various rooms in whatever building you're in and you listen to the people talk in that room and you have to figure out who the people are and what their piece was sort of in this crime. And it's all all via audio. And it's it's pretty neat. Uh, it kind of feels a little bit like, um, oh, what was that game on the boat? Oh, Return of the Oberdin. There we go. It feels kind of like that, if any of you have played that. So it's got some pretty neat, like, deduction mechanics. Uh, not nearly as good as Oberdin. Oberdin was great. But it's pretty cool. I did not like Oberdin. Didn't like Oberdin. <laughs> wow. I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. Uh, I also played 1980X. This is a game that kickstarted a while ago. Uh, it takes place in the 80s, if you didn't guess that. No freaking way. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a mix between a bunch of different game genres and also kind of just like a visual novel. So there's like pieces in between where it's just the character talking, moving around. It's like oh, just cutscene, really. And then you go into an arcade and you play some specific game in the arcade. Uh, and then there's some more exposition and you play a different game. Some more and all kid of them... talking. Angsty like. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. And uh, it's pretty neat because you play a whole bunch of different genres of game and the games get pretty weird towards the end. I think the game says to be continued at the end, if I remember correctly. So there's more to be added to it. Um, but it seems like it gets pretty. It starts to get pretty meta and weird at the end of it. So that's what's, pretty neat. What's the name of the ninja game? Ninja Gaiden. I feel like it's like Ninja Game. I feel like no, it's like well, really. It's not actually the trailer. called that in the game, but that's what they put in the trailer. <laughs> oh, okay. They're yeah. like, this isn't like, an action game. This isn't a ninja game. This yeah. isn't an RPG. Yeah, Ninja Game was the choice. Ninja there, Game was one of the reason. genres. Uh, the last game I played was Epitasis. Epitasis. I don't know how to say it, but it's a puzzle game very similar to uh, what's the game with the lasers? You put all the laser things everywhere. Portal. A lot of game with lasers. Portal. <laughs> no. Talus Principle. Talus Principle. That one. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I didn't too. The gameplay yeah, is baby. very very similar. Talus Principle. I did have a weird experience with this game because I was playing it and it's got this uh, kind of abstract art style. But I got to a location in the game and I was like, wait, 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 wait. I recognize this. I went to college and this was a location on campus. So I look up the developer currently going to the University of Maryland. What, what the heck? Yeah. So that was a neat addition, I guess. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah was, I mean, it was pretty neat. I wonder yeah. if he did that subconsciously, though. I don't know. I wonder, too. But I feel like you couldn't have, though. It's such a like a memorable location i feel like you couldn't just do that accidentally owen what have you been yeah. uh i've been playing some board games uh one of which is called battleship it's a very interesting game where you like everybody that plays has certain board tiles and you can set up the board at the start of the game however you want and then you start with 16 sheep 
uh, each player, and then you just kind of move the sheep around to block the board. And the I, like the object is by the end of this, you want to control as much of the board as possible. Um, and it looks like a very fun kids game, and we played about two rounds of it, and it was not very fun or kid. It, we were <laughs> we were cursing at each other. There was. There, there was uh, some angry, angry uh, strategies happening. It, it seemed very child friendly, but we we took it to another level. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was really neat. And we also <laughs> played a board game called Campy Creatures, where you have a handful of different like monster tropes, like a kaiju or a gorilla or the mummy. You know any of those kind of uh, you know kind of campy old monsters, and the goal is every round there is a like I'm for lack of a better term like a pot of just like different um, either hunters that are going to give you negative points or like teenagers and archaeologists that'll give you positive points, and you then have to fight the other monsters, the other people that you're playing with to kind of you know capture kill the people Hmm. so it was kind of it was kind of neat there's like some strategy to it because the monsters all have different abilities so it wasn't just like oh well i played the monster that's bigger than yours so i win it's also just like well if you played the biggest monster but this monster got played then your monster doesn't do anything and you lose or oh i want to play this one that allows me to trade humans with somebody else and then you just tally up all of your points at the end of the round and then you just kind of do it again until somebody gets over to 40 it was neat i really liked it apparently it's on kickstarter i didn't know much about it my friend was the one that brought it to the the game night but it was kind of cool cool man i'm upset that battleship isn't about like two farmers shelling each other's (laughs) Like pastures, <laughs> that would be amazing. Seriously, Which... Alex, are you okay? <laughs> Not okay. Uh, Jake, what have you been playing? So I have been playing a lot of Dark Souls. I finished Dark Souls One last weekend, and that game is usually really good. Occasionally, it's kind of ass, but that's only some areas. There's really only one boss that was like objectively the worst. Uh, and that whole area is actually really bad. The closest bonfire is. I timed it a two-minute run between attempts. Yeah, you can usually tell a boss is really annoying and the bonfire is far away when I know the exact time it takes me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I reach a point where I'm like, how long is this? And I just time it. Um, So, yeah. The DLC... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, the DLC in Dark Souls 1 is probably my favorite part. It's really, really good. Wow. I would highly recommend checking it out if you have the remastered version or whatever. Have you not played those before? I have not, actually. I played three a little bit when it came out, two a little bit for the Humble Bundle, but I never actually, like, finished them. And hmm. now I'm doing so. And he okay. played Bloodborne, but... Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Side, Bloodborne side was, like, Souls what game. got me, like, back yeah. into, like, oh, I should actually finish these. One thing I found Dark Souls 1 does, or rather doesn't do, that I like in the later games, I don't know if 2 does this or not, but in Bloodborne and 3, every time you kill a boss, there's a bonfire. There. Like, right there. It's very nice. Doesn't yeah, happen good. in the first it Souls game. It usually does it. It's usually close. It's us- It's usually either you have to backtrack a little ways to get to a bonfire, or 
you gotta find some shortcut that you didn't find. It does occasionally just drop a homeward bone and be like, that's it. Yeah. Good Sometimes job. It just does that. It's like, it's not yeah, really what I want. It's also not very satisfying. You also can't warp between bonfires in one for like 70% for really of the game. Time, yeah. And even when you unlock it, it's not every bonfire. Yeah, I had a feeling. Which Oh man, that's frustrating. <laughs> but you can at least go to the shrine, right? It's like yeah, yeah. You can usually get close enough. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, man, it's I want to go to that one, like specifically. Listen, at least yeah, you didn't have to climb like all the way up a mountain and then realize that you can't use this nice teleportation feature to get between portals and then have to walk all the way back down a mountain. Oh my God, we're talking about God of War. Don't even get me started. Wow. <laughs> Why did they interrupt? Uh, Why would you? In- why would you give the player, hey, here's how you're going to warp between areas, but then make me walk for like 20 minutes anyways? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> this teleporting bonfires thing, you can kind of see this get better in the Souls game. Because like in Souls 1, you don't get it till later and it kind of sucks. In Bloodborne, you can teleport to any bonfire, but you got to go through the stupid dream area first. Yes. And in 3, you can just teleport bonfires. And it's like, yes, this is Brilliant. finally what we've wanted. To be fair, you could teleport between any bonfire in 2. Bloodborne just weirdly backtracked. That's weird. And added a bonus area that you had to go through every time. That's annoying. It was a really bad idea. I don't know why they did it. Yeah, no. You can teleport in Sekiro from the beginning, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think after yeah. one, they were like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Must have. Oh, speaking of two, I started playing two. Dark Souls 2, not Sekiro 2. Whatever. <laughs> I started playing Dark Souls 2. I think that people game... figured that out. That game's, like, janky. I don't know. It feels really weird. Uh, I was complaining about this to Caleb, like, the other day. Like, I feel like my dodges don't work anymore. Like, the number of times I've just been hit out of a dodge, like, by the attack I was dodging, is, like, really high. And then, like, even base enemies stunlock me. So the class I started with has, like, this big axe. And... The enemies recover from getting hit by the axe faster than I recover from swinging it. So literally, I'll, like, hit them, go to roll away, but they've already hit me once, and then stunlocked me into, like, a three-hit combo, and I lose, like, half my health. So that's not great. That's pretty terrible. Yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna make it through this one. I'm gonna try (laughs) it. I have a theory that the reason it feels super janky is they introduced this really weird stat that literally changes how many iframes you get when you roll... Oh, why? Yeah, I don't know. That's not how I would have designed a video game. <laughs> but what do I know? So I'm just going to like max that as quickly as I can and see if I can get it back to like feeling playable. But we'll see two, how that two goes. Two is like typically the one that people don't like of the two series, Two right? is the one yeah. that nobody seems to like. I was kind of excited for it because you get it's like the only game that has a good dual wielding system. Hmm. It's super complicated and confusing. Like, certain weapons, if you hold two of them, and your stats are, like, one and a half times the required stats, and you hold X, your guy, like, moves a little bit, and now you know. You're, like, you're in the zone. You got it. And certain attacks use both weapons. It's really weird, and I see why they stopped doing it, but I was excited to try it. And it okay. is cool. I was just about to ask if they had cleaned all that up for the uh, for they, the third one. They were just like, nope. It was in two. Nobody liked two. Cut it out. It's gone. Okay. So yeah, we'll we'll see how two goes. Are you gonna play back through three as well? Are you just going in? Yeah, order? my plan was to do one, two, three. If two ends up sucking a bunch of shit, it might be one, three, Sekiro. <laughs> Whatever. Might be a good choice. Yeah. 
I did want to mention and talk about real quick about um, Alex said you were playing some Overwatch earlier. I know some other people have been as well, but yes, um, wanted to talk about roll queue a little bit. Yeah, that actually this is super topical. This dropped freaking today. It did. Yeah. Yeah. So the new basically the new system uh, just went live on the PTR. I think it's going live for everyone else early September. Yes. If I'm remembering September second right. okay, is when it drops early. for everybody. But yeah, so basically starting September 2nd, it's going to be enforced 2-2-2. So two damage, two tanks, two supports. Can't choose anything else. Once you queue up for that, that's what you're going to play in the next map. Yeah, and that's also going into competitive as well. So the SR will no longer be split between all of them. You'll have an SR for uh, your tanks. You'll have an SR for your DPS and an SR for your supports. Uh, they're changing how they're doing the reward systems for that. So now if you like place all three of those in diamond, you would get more points for golden guns than you previously would have for just being diamond in general. Yeah, my understanding is that basically they would each pay out as though you were in diamond. So you would basically get diamond times three. Okay. Is my understanding. It's... No, you'll you're going to get less because I like diamond currently. I think you get only seven fifty, and the new one each diamond class will be three hundred. Oh, interesting. So it'll be three hundred, three hundred, three hundred. So you'll have the potential of getting to nine hundred if you get diamond in all three. But more than likely, you're probably going to get like three hundred, three hundred, and then like one will be plat where you'll get like two fifty or two hundred or whatever. Um, so that's that. This is also going effect into the Overwatch League. So starting with stage four, which is next week, the every team will be playing two two two. Oh really? That's gonna change a lot. That's gonna yes. be wild. I don't wow. know if they're going to do anything about like locking people to that. I imagine in the league they're gonna allow swapping role among your team i would but, guess yeah i, I, mean, I, I don't would, see why they wouldn't yeah. i would guess that you'll be able to switch roles throughout your team but you'll just have to like make sure that your team comp always has like two 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 mm-hmm. but i'm it, i'm curious about that uh i was discussing with jake before the podcast about how um i really wanted to hopefully see something like that in competitive uh just because of the fact that like if i want to queue up as dps and then I'm playing Farah, and then I'm getting my butt kicked. I cannot play DPS well enough all around to then switch to a different DPS. And that's when normally, like right now, I go, hey, somebody take DPS from me. I'll go tank, I'll go support, and I'll be able to switch. But I don't think they're going to do that because, as Jake pointed out, you'll mess around with everybody's SRs. And, like, if just because somebody queued in as a, you know, a plat tank and maybe they're a master's DPS and you flip with them, like, that's not cool. That's weird. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to be a thing that we're going to see. But I hope that's at least a thing that the Overwatch League will take into account because there are some players that are very hitscan specific but can do that as both a support and a DPS, and I'd like to see them be able to switch between the two in a game and not be tied down to, oh, well, I guess Jonax playing Widow for this match. I mean, I, I wouldn't hold your breath. I don't know why they would 
design a specific system specifically for yeah. the pros. That seems super weird. I I agree, but I I feel like that's kind of it, it's helping on a lot of things. I feel like it's hindering a little bit, but I think overall uh, it's a good thing. Overall, this is going to be great for Overwatch. I'll be interested to see how like how well because this is like a separate queue, right? This is not no. This is replacing it. This is oh, yeah. It pretty much everything is going to work. Even that way. Quick yeah. Play. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, quick Weird. play and comp are going to be like that now. Okay, because it's I, I find that interesting. In in um, in Dota, they released a thing called ranked roles at one point, um, where it, like is a separate queue that you could just queue into in order to be like role specific. But I don't know how often it's used and. It's right now it's exclusive to Dota Plus subscribers. So it's like even more like refined on who actually can use that queue system. Well, um, before they did all of this, they had a group finding mechanic that was similar of you would search for a group that was looking for one of the things that you would sign up as. And then you would be put into that group and you'd be like, cool. I signed up as a tank to this group. I am playing tank, and one of the options is you would lock it so that way anybody that joined the group it has to play whatever they signed up for. So this was a thing that they did have before and they played around with, but I think they were just kind of like, hey, no one's really using this, so now they're forcing mm-hmm. people to use this because this was their solution to uh, a lot of like SR and, and competitive problems. Although... I think the benefit that we have now and the negative thing of why people were staying away from uh, the group finder was that group finder, you'd be in a group of six and then you queued in as a group of six against other groups of six and you would normally get your ass kicked. Right. Whereas this, you'll at least be able to just still solo queue up or double queue up and just be like, all right, it's just, you know, me and Jake tonight, we do it and, you know, we'll be placed with a bunch of other people and hopefully it will do well. I mean, is there any sort of like backlash from people who are just like, why are you like refining this down to we have to specifically be two, two, two? Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit. I wouldn't say there's a ton, but there are some people that are saying that it does stifle a lot of strategy uh, in the game to basically just break it down to the two, two, two. And like as much as we all hated goats, goats was a strategy (laughs) that was made and like just now we're starting to see a strategy come up that is one tank three dps two supports and that's a thing that we won't see and so it's a lot of things like that that it's just like there are counter metas that are happening with multi like multiple people inside of a specific set that we're not going to see anymore so it does kind of limit us but i think on the whole i think it's gonna be pretty good it may limit some amount of strategy for people who want to do something like goats comp, you know, or something weird, but I don't know that it limits strategy too much in, in the sense that people are going to have to be playing balanced teams now. And it's literally going to be less about, I don't know how to play against this comp and more about we're just getting outplayed. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I, I think in my opinion, all, most of the strategies that are being gotten rid of are the really boring ones <laughs> like goats. It's mm-hmm. just boring. It's boring to play. It's boring to watch, in my opinion. Oh, it's hella boring to watch. So, like, I think saying, okay, that's just not even on the table anymore is kind of just a win. Like, right. I, I kind of don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. 
I would I would agree. I think that at least from a uh, a fan perspective of this, we're going to see a lot more entertaining plays and things happening in Overwatch now, well, at least in the Overwatch League uh, as part of spectating because well, we're not going to just have like boring comps. I think everything goes through some amount of meta switches anyways, right? Like they change yeah. something up and then you kind of appreciate some aspect of how the game is played that year, especially in uh, in, in the pro scene. I mean, that happened with Dota 2. We had a we had a year where everybody was just death balling everything and it was kind of just boring. Yes. It was just a lot of like forward movement. The matches were quick. Nothing was like it just wasn't fun. So maybe this will make that may, may make uh, make it a lot more um, fun, interactive, where people are just moving around a lot more and it'll just be better, like more more entertaining to actually watch. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, entertaining things, we actually were talking earlier today about a Kickstarter campaign that popped up. And uh, I guess I'm sure Caleb was a backer basically immediately because he kickstarts every board game <laughs> it was alex's um, fault he's the one who sent it to me mm-hmm. whose fault was it the money got spent was it alex's fault yes i never seen that <laughs> I, I, money knew, on it. I knew what uh-huh. i was doing when i sent it to him <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i was uh, like yeah here goes a bunch of money from caleb's wallet sent <laughs> sms so uh etherfields etherfields ether etherfields i, ether I fields? definitely just said etherfields i don't really know though uh, yeah, okay, I don't know. Ether, we'll go with Etherfields. <laughs> um, so it's been up for two days on Kickstarter. They have already just blown way past their their numbers. And I think, Alex, you said it yeah. was fully funded in like two hours? Two minutes. Two minutes? <laughs> two yeah, minutes? They, they sent, <laughs> what? They sent an email that they passed their funding goal in the first two minutes. <laughs> was their funding goal a dollar? It's fifty thousand. Uh, fifty thousand. Yeah. How? In two minutes. <laughs> they well, it's are... been two days, and they have two point five million, so two point six almost, I think. They are p- prolific on Kickstarter for doing like high-profile board game Kickstarters. Yeah, that get okay. tons of money. They have so a whole bunch of ones that do a, really well. These are well. known entities. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they they passed their goal in two minutes. They had like seven thousand backers within the first hour, like approaching a million dollars. And I mean, do they deliver on what they have on Kickstarter? Are they like they're not somebody who's just it's just going to fizzle out? We've actually talked about them before because these are the same people as the Tainted Grail people. Yep. So oh my the, gosh! The Seriously. people that had all the stretch goals and like added the computer game at the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It I th- they've had older ones, right? That uh, they have that have done really well. Yeah, that have come out and actually shipped and all that. Yeah, as soon as Tainted Grail finished, I saw how much money it made and how many things they were doing, and I was like, this game's going to fail. There's no possible way they can pull this one off. But they have a whole bunch of previous games. So I've done them well, it seems like, based on comments. These guys, um, they strike me as like the Valve of Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Like, Like how Valve milks Dota 2 people with the Battle Pass. But like their their Kickstarter was like, if you back within the first twenty four hours, you get the special bonus. And then I remember on tainted, the Tainted Grail one, they kept on adding like more tiers yeah. as the Kickstarter went, and uh, just like adding features and stuff that weren't just like stretch goals that you would get for backing it, just like things that you would actually have to pay more for. So they just kept on raking in the dough. They'll probably do the same here. Probably. I mean, we're two days in. We're like two point 
whatever million. I think <laughs> yeah, I think they'll be fine. They'll be fine. How many games? Do you, just a number. How many board games do you think you've bought off of Kickstarter at this point, Caleb? A lot. <laughs> um, I counted the other day how many Kickstarter games, board games I have purchased but not or gotten but not played yet. Mm-hmm. I think I had nine that I've received but not played. Actually, I did play one the other day, so eight. At some point, that but, becomes a problem. You know that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, I still don't, probably don't have as many board games in my house as you. So, got them. Oh yeah, I got got. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I wasn't I really a get him. It was more of a. I don't have that many. Don't you even have a single player Kickstarter game board game that you've never played? No, I played that. That's the one I played. <laughs> wow. <laughs> played that the other day. It's pretty good. It's very very hard. Hmm. Okay. Man. Uh what? You what, just man, sit, you just sat alone in your apartment and were like, I'm gonna play a board game by myself. Yeah. Nobody was online, and I was like. Mm. I'm going to try out this board game. Probably why it was like sous vide some steak or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's the same as playing a video game. Nice you got to like, build a character, Frank. right? Did you have a glass you of wine on your, your stool table? No. Your one no glass lie. of wine? Got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same as playing a video game where you got to make a character. You got to do all this intro setup. Yeah, man. Whatever laying on a board instead. <laughs> no, no big difference. Um. Let's move on and talk about some film-related things. Um, I don't know who is still watching Star Trek Discovery. I'm going to assume it's Alex. Yeah, it's yes, sir. Alex. Um, because, you, you know, season two has been over for a while. Yeah, well, last, last fortnight, I said I started watching it. And this one, I, I wanted to wrap around and say I finished it. Holy yeah. crap! He's done! Yeah, I finished it. Very so it's a super mm-hmm. good show. I wanted to talk some spoilers. <laughs> spoilers, <laughs> spoilers. Cover your ears. So we're going into spoilers for all of Star Trek Discovery. The show is just in general before we jump into spoilers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's very good. It's a very good show. Well <laughs> so, made, high production value. The first half of the first season, not amazing. It's still like a decent show, but not amazing. Second half of the first season gets crazy. Second season just keeps it going, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, as not much spoilers. as I like to praise it. <laughs> All my, spoilers, all my spoilers deal with, deal with things I don't like about it. Nice. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> so one of the things that was like kind of cool towards the beginning of watching it was like, oh, they're willing to sacrifice characters. Like these major characters are killing off. No problem. Everybody's at risk. Then they just keep on bringing them back. So like Giorgio... Is not exactly the same person, but essentially the character <laughs> comes back to the show. Uh, the doctor get his neck snapped. He dies. He's on the floor. They go into the mushroom realm and freaking <laughs> reincarnate him, essentially. So they're like finding all these ways to just bring people back. So I'm like waiting for season three when Lorca returns to be captain somehow. <laughs> That'd be pretty Dude, good I if love they pulled Lorca. that off. I'd be all right if he came back. Yep. He's great. Um... I had some like specific things like everybody is chill with Ash Tyler later. Like everybody's gotten over the fact that Yeah, they get over it pretty is, fast. He's like like they get over it pretty fast, which is weird to begin with. But then there's the fact that everybody on the ship that's been with him the whole time is over it. And Captain Pike, who doesn't know any of them, is the only one that's still mad. Yeah. 
I'm like, what is your problem, dude? And it's just because they want them to have like an episode to themselves. Yeah. So I'm like, Matt, and that's a little weird. My, I think my number one issue is Saru is like my man. He's like my favorite character. Yeah. And I think, I feel like they did a real injustice to his character arc because they were doing some really cool things, talking about his like race's backstory of oppression and how he has all these fear impulses and everything. And then they just like take an episode and give him a magic pill. And then like, he's evolved to this new sort of being that doesn't have any of those issues anymore. Instead of like actually developing his character and like having him get over these problems that he has. And he shoots spikes out of webs that come out of the back of his head. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Kinda no, weird. I kind of, I kind of like it because then they have to deal with Saru's like new character where sometimes he's like kind of scary, like mm-hmm. other crew members. Yeah. And very aggressive, and he has to kind of deal with that in place of what he was dealing with before. So I don't mind that one too much. I would say the one problem I had with that one specific story arc is that they did not really expound upon the other race very well or, not or very much in depth. Yeah, and I yeah. thought it was like they did such a good job of making it like a really cool like figure, just like coming up out of the goop. Mm-hmm. Goop. I don't even know what it was. Some sort yeah, of goop. Yeah, good. it was like some black goop. Yeah, it was like a really cool character model, and like I think that could have been really neat to expound on that a little bit. But you know, of course, the Red Angel comes in and wrecks everything, so <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, uh, a small, tiny thing I noticed: um, they were like talking about evacuating uh, Discovery and like blowing it up, mm-hmm. which like eventually doesn't happen. But in the act, they ev- evacuate everybody. Nobody takes Georgia's telescope. Oh. They just leave it. I mean, just like Saru goes a back, telescope. Saru goes back and gets his sister's knife. Yeah. But like a major plot point from the first season about like the passing on of this telescope and like all the emotion that goes into that. They're just like, whatever. Been yeah. around in her family for generations. We're going to blow it up. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Um, and then the whole story arc for the second season well, the second season's like really intense and very exciting and a lot of fun, but this AI is going around killing everybody and apparently hasn't gained consciousness. Like, what is the story there? Like, they need the AI needs all this data to quote unquote gain consciousness. Is that what yeah. they keep saying to gain yeah. consciousness? Okay, yeah. that's not really what they mean then, because <laughs> they definitely yeah. already got the that. AI created nanobots and inf- infected a human. And is running around in a human skin murdering people and controlling like an armada of ships trying to get this data so that it can take over the universe but it apparently can't take over the universe without the data even though it's doing all this really like advanced stuff that kind of makes it seem like it already knows what's up really weird and then they were gonna they were gonna blow up the discovery to get rid of the data but you know mm-hmm. that data's got to be stored in like a server or something like destroy the server why are you going to blow up the whole ship? Well, they tried to blow it up. Yeah, they tried to blow up the whole ship. No, no, no. I'm saying they tried to they tried to erase the hard drive and it wouldn't They tried let them to do erase it, it, it by itself. like by like right-clicking on the folder and clicking delete and then Windows was like, "No, this this folder's protected." And they're like, "Oh, well, I guess we're going to blow up the entire ship." Listen, Didn't they Mr. say IT, something about, "Okay, not everybody when- knows that that's the only way you can delete things." Of course. When the data first got in the ship, didn't they say something about how it took over, like, the entire ship to, like, write itself into everywhere it possibly could? 
because it was so much data. I don't what? know about all when that. When it first happened, I'm pretty e- sure that I mean, happened. even if that's the case... So I think it's everywhere. They, there cannot be that many places that data is stored. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I know. That there would be, like, hundreds of places that they would store data across the ship. They would have, like, a central area where data storage is. Probably, yeah. You know, I'll kind of agree with, like, the the AI with the nanobots infecting humans thing part. I think that was a little bit... Like, they really took that to like the next AI level. Like, this AI is already conscious and trying to murder all of humanity it doesn't need the data <laughs> right when i thought it was cool was when it infected arium who is part robot yeah no, that was like, cool that part like that story arc i think was neat and just that whole like up until there and then i think when they they kind of just like took it to the next level where it's taking over like fleets of ships and controlling tons of people it's just like uh so sure i kind of get that but Maybe it's just, you know, like it's trying to gain the data. So it's got to evolve in whatever way and method that it possibly can. And then just I have some weird issues with the end. Because what is the point? Their their idea is like, okay, there's no way to stop control from getting this data. It's just going to keep on coming for it. So the only way we can get it away from him is by taking it to the future. Now, Where a program will definitely not exist. Yeah. What is the point of that? <laughs> it's an AI. It doesn't die. It's just going to wait 900 years and then get it. Right? And then as soon as they do that, as soon as they take everything to the future, then there's like conversations between people who are like, did we get rid of control? And they're like, yeah, we got rid of it all. It's, it's gone. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, so why did you send everybody to the future if you could just get rid of them? Part of story, Alex. Part of story. (laughs) Literally, they just—they were like, "Man, how do we make this make sense in the broader timeline of Star Trek?" Like, I don't know. Invent a reason for them to go to the future, I guess. (laughs) Honestly, I think that might be why they did it. Because think about it: how in the world do you tie this into regular Star Trek if you have something like a freaking, as you like to call it, drive that travels on the Mushroom Kingdom? No, I mean the end of the last episode explains basically everything. No, to no. fit it into the final timeline because they're yeah, like did a good nobody's, job with al- that nobody's allowed to talk about it ever i'm not allowed to mention my sister ever exists like spock says that yeah they but talk saying, about I how think... nobody's ever allowed to talk about the spore drive like all but that technology's gone why... to the future yeah that's why they went into the future because they took that opportunity to be like okay here's how we can tie it back into the regular star trek timeline yeah so the only reason why that plot happens is because they wanted to fit it in to the original star trek pretty well it doesn't doesn't make sense in context of discovery (laughs) my favorite part about all that is the first time they go to enterprise pike's like what's going on and they're like oh everything's broken it was a bug with like the hologram tech and he's like i hate holograms let's go back to screens and they're like okay (laughs) we'll take all the hologram tech out of the ship And he's like, cool. And then in the last episode, they're like, we're only going to communicate with screens now. And he's like, nice, just the way I like it. And I'm like, yeah. So now it's like original Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta really make it's sure just that too funny. Brought everything technologically back down to the level, level of regular Star Trek. It's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, let's talk about some other uh, film related things. Um, I think during our last podcast was when Stranger Things season three or series three came oh, out. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, actually on the fourth. So I don't know if everybody has watched. I was finishing Star Trek. 
I watched it. Star Trek. It's, it's my it's next objective. Really good. It's Eight. very very good. Great. Should Doctor, we should should we talk about some spoilery things and then you guys uh, can talk about it. I'll I'll go away for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to go away for a minute too. I have also not watched all of it. <laughs> uh, oh. Do we want to do general stuff first before we? Yeah, yeah we can do general stuff. Yeah. It after season two, I kind of had really low hopes for three. Yeah, really. It, I thought season two was quite bad especially compared to season one yeah i agree i I just didn't know where they could possibly go and then where they went with it i was like and i'm back on board yeah that's true (laughs) too i'm there yeah they basically did well not quite everything but they made much better use of like the main antagonist he's like Mm -hmm. alluded to in season two i thought he was super underutilized and they did a lot more cool stuff with that individual in three (laughs) So I enjoyed that a lot. With that individual, <laughs> the main the antagonist, yes, the bad, the, the bad, bad guy, one. the bad. He's bad. Oh, he's the, bad. The oh, he's real bad. Um, I I loved all of the just small character nuances that they went with the in the show. I mean, you have like Billy seducing the moms of Hawkins. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I, I just I just felt like these small things were just like, wow, like here are these characters and they really feel much more like living, breathing people than just like, oh, we just threw them in this show. And I really like that. Like Max seems like such a different and such a better character this time around than season two. I would agree with that. Yeah, she does. Well, I think people, at least what I've read, have talked a lot about how, you know, character development, season one, season two was really revolved around the the group, the group of four and well, five. Uh, And (laughs) in this season, it's very much like people are just independent of each other, kind of in their small, like smaller, either one or two people. And that's where their character development is really happening versus just as a team sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And that happens a lot. And I think they do a really good job of how they split the characters up. And yeah. How they work together. I definitely think that I remember that season two, they kind of like split characters up and there was like different teams doing stuff at the same time. But I kind of forget what half of them did and also didn't really care except for some like major points. Whereas yeah. this, I felt I was always interested at where everybody was at every single moment. I was right. like, all right, so these guys are doing this and that's really cool. And these guys are doing this and that's really cool. And these girls are doing this and that's really cool. Like it was just always always just very well paced mm-hmm. and plotted out and i was like oh yeah no this is cool like every single group i felt like just had a purpose and was entertaining to watch one of the main problems with the split in season two was that l ran off for like four episodes and did absolutely <laughs> nothing that mattered to anyone anywhere that's true that's and then true. she returned for there's, the finale there's an entire episode that's so. just like oh she's in chicago for whatever reason and we'll never get back to that ever yeah no no don't dumb but i also don't that doesn't really happen in three as much or really at all yeah also three great payoffs like they build up and they pay off stuff really well and i think i think they did a phenomenal job with that um do you guys want to talk some spoiler things we can yeah oh wait i can't actually do that because if i mute my oh i'll put my headphones (laughs) down somebody 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 text me okay finally got rid of them thank god all right yeah they're out of here so uh the entire thing of the mind flare taking over people phenomenal oh yeah 
I feel really like cool. They really underutilized. Out. Yeah, I feel like they missed out in a couple spots because it would have been super cool to have like a bunch of the townspeople have to fight a bunch of other townspeople because yeah. they're taken over by like the mind flayer. It feels very much like I don't know why the mind flayer took over anyone other than Billy. And even then, it's like just make Billy a meat monster, and he'd be like twenty percent more effective, if not like two hundred percent more effective. Yeah, like they never really do anything that requires like a delicate social touch. Like the closest they get is chloroforming people and pegging them over the head with a wine bottle. Yeah, which like a meat monster can just like eat them. You know, like that's that's more efficient. Yeah, like you could kind of see what they could have done with when the head of the newspaper gets infected. That was a cool part. And he does like the whole like get off the story, nothing to see here, go away, and like the cover up. And so like that was neat to try to like, oh, the monster's protecting itself by not being very, you know, out there and is being inconspicuous and is guarding itself by using these people. But it uses it that once and then after that it's just like, Everyone's just on a murder rampage for no reason. And I'm like, yeah. all right, this is it's here. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like that. I liked the whole expressions. Like, yeah, th- that entire thing. I was just like, holy crap. I didn't expect the Russians. I thought that was a cool, like, <laughs> no 1980s. one expects the Russian Inquisition. <laughs> yeah, you got it. That's it. Yeah. That's how long it goes. It was a great, like, 80s twist on things of, you know, it was pulling from, like, Red Dawn and Terminator. And I was like, all right, yeah, like, this is dope. Like, Russian bad guys. All right. Yeah, I like them. And Alex- Alexi was great. Alexi was great. He was a fun uh, character for a few episodes. Golgari was interesting. <laughs> I, I, there was still some stuff that was underutilized, like, Will as a character. This season, <laughs> guys, okay. can we just play in any Will, season? In, yeah, in any season, kind of. But this season, I feel like he could have been used and could have had like good character development. No, yeah. got okay. like none. And he's also, critical though, because he tells them things they already know. <laughs> yeah, like when yeah. a meat monster shows up and starts eating people, Will goes up. Oh, mind flares here, and it's like, thank like you. yeah, oh, thank you. Will. I'm see my him right tingles. now. Yeah, Let he's. Me... We're looking at him. He just <laughs> ate Max. Like specifically, get it. the one in the mall. Where he's like, oh, no, it's here. And everybody's like already looking up at the ceiling where it is. And it's like, Will, you're not really helping at all. You're kind of just slowing us all down, really. The worst part of characters just being stupid is when Eleven is like mind projecting herself to Billy. Yeah. And Billy like comes there and is like, hey, I know where you are and I'm coming to kill you right now. (laughs) And then she like comes back from her vision and talks to her friends and they're like, wait, he was talking to you in this room? And I'm like, that's not important. He said he was coming to the yeah. place, to yeah. you. Just I, I, run, I, bail, you're done. I thought the same exact thing. Is like, he blatantly says he's coming for them and knows where they are. And she just, gl- just goes straight out of just like, oh yeah, let's gloss over this. It doesn't matter until the monster's there. And I'm just like, and then 11, wait. you had one job. What did I do then? They barricade the house because the enormous meat monster is not going to just smash it, I guess. Look, it's a really heavy <laughs> cabinet that they put in front of the door. Can't get through the door. Yeah, like, like he gets there. He doesn't smash the house. He just like puts in some tentacle monster things. And it's like, 
Well, you know, you could have just killed everyone in there by smashing okay. on it like you do with the mall. You gotta, you gotta savor it, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why like didn't he's... they get in the car and drive away at the beginning? Because later, they get in the car and drive away. <laughs> you just do that first when you see it coming. Yeah, just, just open Go. with that next time. Leave. Maybe. So, what would you say is your favorite uh, like story arc or characters or like scenes from season three? I just like all the stuff with the mind flare taking people over. I thought that was super cool. Robin and Steve are great. That's so good. Their whole group is really good for like all of it. I don't particularly care for Lucas's sister, whose name I can't remember. She's fine. She's kind of annoying, but she's all right. The other three work together really well and are awesome. I think I loved their chemistry. I loved every scene that they were in. I did not care for the main group as much as I cared for yeah, no. Robin Steve. And Robin the is rest awesome. Of like, they, they did such a good idea adding her in because she I feel like she added a whole lot to the show. Yeah. I I, I think that was that was extremely well done and I, I really liked it. And I really want to see uh where they go with season four with them. And uh finally, I, as our, our last note before we bring everybody else back in, do you think no. Hop is alive. Oh, yes. <laughs> opposite, opposite. I thought going to ask if he died. No, I'm pretty, pretty sure he's alive. Dick? Seems, seems pretty obvious. I don't know. I think if they bring him back, I'm not going to care. I don't know. I'm skeptical of a season four. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm skeptical of any season after two. Yeah, I was going to say after two. It's kind of a tough sell, but... yeah. I mean, because saying, oh, no, that character, everyone, like, he didn't die, he's back, is, like, so lazy and awful, and it would be yeah. awful. I, I, I agree. I really do not want the American to be Hop. There's it no would, way it's not going to be him. It would be interesting if it was one of the kids that Eleven was running with. It would be interesting I, if it was literally I think anyone. I would care less if it were one of them than if it were Hop. I just, I just, I think that Hop had a very good send-off. And I really don't they want should them have to... just killed him off there. But yeah. I don't think they did at all. I, that's the thing. It's like, I feel like that's such a good ending for Hop. And I was like, no, just leave him dead there. Just leave him dead there and we will go on with other people. That's fine. Honestly, they probably should have just still had him fighting the big guy that he shouldn't be able to beat and then set the thing off. But I guess that didn't happen. Oh, well. Let's get everybody back in here. Yeah, I'll text Aaron. I, I texted the group. Okay. So then we got next on our list of things to talk about. Well, we should probably wait till they actually all get in here. Hey, I'm back. There he is. Hey, no worries. I was spending time reading a change.org little little thing to sign called Let's Clean Dem Oceans and See Them Fishy Boys. What? Seems legit. (laughs) Let's clean dem oceans and see them fishy boys. And the description is, listen, sheeple, we need less plasticky normies and more of them cute fishy boys. Okay. No, I feel yeah. that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what? What? it wasn't the storm area 51. I was about thing. to say. Yeah. I don't think we need to worry about it. We'll just God. find an ocean cleaning device in area 51. <laughs> and we'll just use that to get them fishies. We're getting on that meme train. Dem dem fishy boys. Dem fishy boys. Hey, has everybody seen Spider-Man at this point? Yeah. Which one? Into the Spider-Verse? Spooder Moon? Spider-Man. No, not oh, Far From Actually, Home? Nope. Revenge of the Sandman. You have not seen Far From Home yet? I haven't. What, what's wrong with you, man? I don't know. It's I haven't so gotten good. to see it yet. Actually, speaking of uh, Into the Spider-Verse, I wanted to mention that I saw a post the other day. They were talking about how it had 177 animators. 
on staff, That's which is like yeah, yeah, twice the typical animated film, which is kind of cool because I think that's why so many different, like stylistically, the, the movie feels so different from scene to scene. They just include so many different elements. Yeah. Which I think is kind of neat. But that movie is freaking awesome. The animation in it is freaking amazing. Um, yeah. How it, many how many animators do you think that Sonic movie has? Um, <laughs> I hope not I hope enough. It's, Maybe two. Yeah, I'm going to guess one. Is that really what you looked up was the number of animators in that Sonic movie? No, I'm just wondering. That's just a, <laughs> that's just a wonder. We should look it up now, but I'm, I'm wonder, very wonder, curious. Wonder. Uh, Not the Spider-Man we want to talk about, though. Yeah, I know. We want to no. talk about the other Spider-Man. Kill, you just disappear for a minute. Because the other Spider-Man, it's really, we need to talk about it. The other All right, let me know. Let me know. Yeah, we'll let you. Right. So, um, man, what did you guys think? It was... I. I Personally, specifically, I think it was a uh, uh, like an excellent follow up to the first film. I th- it was really good. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was fantastic. I think it was really you. good just for the the time of where we were at with Marvel movies. Also, yeah, just like, like a middle pretty light. Like it mm-hmm. was fun. There's some really... some fun world building that's happening, but it's not like serious. It's just kind of like oh, there's stuff that's happening in the background, like. There are organizations of people that are getting together that may right. or may not become some sort of like super bad group that the Avengers have to fight eventually. I think I, I keep like we talk about this every time a new Marvel movie comes out, but I really like that they are really going for their own feel. Every movie like, you know, Spider-Man has its own feel. The Thor movies have it their own feel at this point. And I think specifically for Spider-Man, I think the comedy is actually what sells it for me more than anything else. Um, I, I think typically the villains just kind of like it's, it's a cool villain, especially in this, in this movie. Yeah. Um, I think the way he was developed, the fact that it wasn't just him because in the comics, it's basically just him. And he's like a, I'm pretty sure he's like a theater prop artist. He was a special effects expert. Special effects. Okay. Yeah. I actually, I really liked what they did with Mysterio because yeah, a special effects guy would be kind of weird. Right. Yeah. But the fact that they included all these other people who had made technologies for Tony Stark was neat because it showed scenes from the old movies and it like tied it way more into a, it was almost like a coalition instead of just like one guy wanting revenge sort of thing. I don't know. I, I really like that they do that. Also, the fact that Mysterio didn't even have his name until they called him Mysterio. Till Spider-Man offhandedly says, one yeah. of my asshole friends called you Mysterio. Yeah. Not even friends. Mysterio. Yeah. Some guy. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool, like, just let me slide this in here. Let's, here's how we're going to name him. Because he was just calling himself by his, I don't even remember what his name was, but his actual, like, he, name. I feel like he didn't really have one, did he? No, Jake I'm saying, maybe. He called yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. That to was the his... to the public, he didn't have one, but to <laughs> oh, okay, it's a Nick Fury. But like yeah. Nick Fury, it was just like his name. Yeah, I don't know. It again, I think the comedy sells it for me in these movies. It's just it's spot on, and the teachers were probably the best part from that standpoint. Mm. I really like the development of Peter Parker as like like he's coming up under Iron Man and like doing a lot of the same like technology stuff that he was doing before. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I I think the the scene of him like designing his suit and putting his hand through like the hologram. Yeah, so crazy. And I was just like, "Oh, this hurts. This hurts so much." 
like that scene out of anything actually got me like i don't know what it was about him putting his hand through the hologram but it actually like made me tear up oh you little poor man i don't know what it was because like endgame like it was sad but i didn't get like super emotional about it I actually got more emotional just from that little scene in, in this movie. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was just like that little hint that you were just like, oh, he's like a tiny little Stark. I mean, for what it's worth, you t- I'm pretty sure you told me that the most. Maybe it wasn't you, but I feel like it was the most emotional scene from Endgame was when Spider-Man comes swinging back through and he makes eye contact with Tony Stark. That wasn't me. OK. Oh, I think it's it was a- my other. I knew who it was. It's it's still it's still an emotional thing when he gets to to Stark and he's like, man, you wouldn't believe this. I like I disappeared, but then I came back. Blah blah blah. And you're just like, he, he's so happy to see Spider Man again. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, this is this is so lovely. So do we know? I mean, following this, do we know what the next movie is that's coming out? Uh, at this point, yes. Next one is Black Widow prequel. I think that's where we're at. I think we're getting a Black Black Widow prequel. Um, there's a lot of stuff that they are working on slash will be coming out eventually with. Like, we know um, we're getting a Guardians uh, 3 with James Gunn again. Uh, we are also just announced we're getting a Thor 4 with uh, Taika Waititi back in the director's chair. I am so... Thor. Pumped it's, it's about that. Fathor? Fathor? You should submit that as the title, Jake. <laughs> oh, I will. Don't you worry. No, I will. My TD's back, though. That's great. Yeah. I'm no, awesome. I, think, I think that's going to be great, because he did such a good job with three that I was like, awesome. We got him. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff that they said that there's going to be a sequel of, but, you know, it's somewhere in a question mark, question mark timeline. They started doing a thing where they're like, hey, Maybe we shouldn't publish like what we're doing for the next ten years, so people call us out and being like, "Well, you can't kill Spider Man. He's got a movie coming out next year." Well, I have heard that they're talking about not having like a, you know a major ten year story arc. That it's going to be more you know three four movies, and then we'll have like a major villain sort of thing. And I'm, that I'm they're sh- talking about branching between like you know Earth based. Uh, Marvel superheroes versus cosmic based Marvel superheroes and kind of splitting those two. I'm sure that they'll still have a long game plan of movies. It's just that they're not going to post as much about it. But But who knows? Comic-Con is happening. Well, it just started today and Hall uh, Hall H is going to host Disney at some point and they're confirmed to be talking about what's next in the MCU. Wow. So tune in on our next podcast where we're going to tell you all about all of the crazy stuff that they do confirm or don't confirm. Who knows? Wait, we'll find out. Thor's not going to break down that specific content that's released during Comic-Con. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Thor. our press badges got lost in the mail. Did they get lost in the mail? Shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens. I'll call them. I'll get them back. Don't worry. Oh, thank you. Thank well, you. I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. <laughs> uh, I kind of wanted to wrap this up. Actually, I was going to mention, we, we talked about way early on, like before we even started this podcast, five vegans and one meat versus one meat eater. I really <laughs> want to know what this video is about. It's been just in the back of my mind. This I'm whole not time sure talking. what part of that is ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so, it's a series of videos that these people do where they take like a group of people and like the opposite of th- that group and they put them all in a room 
and nobody knows who's the one odd out. And then they just make them talk amongst themselves and they try to like vote on who's the who's the mole, essentially. Yeah. But they don't know like what it's related to, sort of thing. No, they do. No, so they they're do. like they're, they're like, like you're all vegans. Figure out which except one of you is not. Except for one of you is a meat eater. And then they're all like, What's your favorite candy? And then some guy's <laughs> like Sour Patch Kids and they're that's, like, That's, that's not vegan. vegan. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. It is funny. Okay, yeah, I'll have to check this out. What is the name of the series? Oh, what is it? Odd Don't Man know. Out? I think it's called Odd Man Out. Odd Man Out. I watched I it on Criticals. Yeah, big same, big same. <laughs> again, the only thing I can think about when I think about a vegan is just freaking Scott Pilgrim and superpowers. <laughs> yeah, you'd think it'd be really obvious, right? Chalada's so not, not vegan? Hovering. It's with like everybody Saiyan show hair. your superpower. Yeah, let's okay. see it. Right, right. Start hovering, the... white hair, glowing eyes. The other um, video I watched from them was Six Christians versus One Secret Atheist. Yeah, that's the one Christian. <laughs> or uh, not Christian, Critical did. Yeah, he did that one too. He did both. Oh, did he? I didn't see the video. Yeah. Man, that's weird because YouTube just recommended me the regular videos. So I wonder if Critical's <laughs> thing got popular and they're like, let's recommend the original. Probably. Mm hmm. No, they probably just were like just scanning our podcast, just transcribing it, first <laughs> talking about it. Today, yeah, last week, right now. <laughs> Look, okay, they used the spore drive and went back in time. Oh. <laughs> that's not how the spore drive. Yeah, works. you'd be surprised to learn. Except that's on not. occasion, <laughs> it's only on occasion that it does that. Dang it! Does it right. never do that? Do they do that once? Do they go? They don't they travel. Don't, they don't time travel they, with the spore drive. They time they travel time when they travel. come back from uh. the other universe. I shouldn't travel. have said anything. I shouldn't have they said do. anything. Yeah, they do time <laughs> travel when it. they come back from the other universe. I oh, forgot do that. They? they don't typically like time months. travel with it, but Stamets can perceive outside of his own timeline for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Not really explained. Good old Stamets Listen. and his mushroom insides. Pretty yeah. much, if you're going to watch just a standalone episode of Discovery, you should watch the episode where they're in a time loop because yes. you could watch that standalone. Because it's just that one with good. Uh, Dwight from the yes, office. From I forget the office. his name. Very excellent. Rain Wilson. That him. That's him. Yep. That's, that'd be the one. Man. Yeah. He's he's the. Bad he's guy. actually great in it. Very. It's very. It's very good. Uh, well, again, if you want to check out some other stuff we've worked on, please go to our website. We are the horizon .com. Um, We have a bunch of uh, videos up there as well as some older podcasts for you to take a listen to. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and we will catch you next time. This week's podcast was edited by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Jake John Federkyle, Caleb Juno, and Owen Patterline. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his music on Spotify, or you can also check it out on soundcloud.com forward slash Amer. Also, this week's podcast was again brought to you by Reclaim Industrial, a small but amazing shop of makers, designers, and fabricators based out of Bluemont, Virginia. You can check out their website at www.reclaimindustrialwithane.com. Additionally, you can check out everything that we do, We Are The Horizon, 
at our website, www.wearethehorizon.com. We have a lot of video posts as well as links to other content we've done in the past. Again, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.